On today's show, I'm joined by Glenn Willis of ATL 129 for the first part of a two-part conversation talking all things Hawks, and we'll have all of that coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1602 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday morning here in early December. And today's show is brought to you by folks at Game Time on the Game Time app. Create an account. Use promo code Lots on NBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. And I'm joined on this podcast by my friend Glenn Willis of ATL and 29. Glenn is one of the experts in the space on the Atlanta Hawks. And as always, I encourage you to make this podcast your first listen each and every day. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, places like Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And as a reminder, it's part one of two. So so once you get done with part one, part two should be available in your feeds at the same time. So please stay tuned. Without any further delay, here's myself and Glenn talking all things Hawks. I am joined now by my friend Glenn Willis of ATL and 29 and, of course, all over the Internet. Glenn, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Brad. Good to, good to see you on a Sunday. Uh, a, a normal college football fan would be nursing a hangover. <laughs> uh, what, what your what your Wolverines accomplished yesterday and the news this morning and kind of where they landed. So, uh, but, you know, the the... The um, unparalleled work 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 ethic uh, continues, and, and you're your normal normal Brad even today. Yeah, it, there are some advantages to not to not drinking as a as a general rule, and that is one of them. I don't have to worry about that in particular. Plus, the Hawks played yesterday uh, during Michigan's game, so I had to like pay attention to the Hawks. Um, people were act, uh, I was getting made fun of for not watching the Hawks game. I'm like, guys, I'm I'm live, I'm live tweeting. I'm I'm all in right now. Like it's Michigan was on too. I have two TVs for a reason in my living room. That's part of the deal of being a semi-professional sports content creator. But yeah, I was multitasking. But it is it is what it is. But uh, I do appreciate you doing this. This is our uh, I guess not the first show that I've done in December, but the first kind of bigger discussion that I've done so far this month. It is early in the month. The Hawks just went on that five game road trip. They finished two and three. Um, I don't think anybody's overjoyed with the way the Hawks are playing. Um, I do think that it's probably okay to point out that they're not playing as bad as some might, some might believe that they are at this point. But um, I'll, I'll throw it to you first, especially with regard to this trip. It's a pretty round road trip. They, they play five games. They went two and three. And now they have these three days off in between. So it's kind of a good end point. But how are you feeling in general about the way they're playing? Acknowledging, of course, the elephant in the room that Jalen Johnson has not been around and won't be around for a little while, which I think everybody agrees is not a great thing for the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of been up and down, and, and road trips right, right after an injury, you know, uh, are tough. Um, you know, schedule's been a little a little tough, not ridiculous completely, but, um, you know, I when I watch them play, I feel like I see a team that, thank goodness, they're basically, you know, hitting on all cylinders on offense because that's giving them a chance to win almost every game, right? Um, on the other side of the court, they have a lot – to figure out, right? I know we're going to talk uh, in more detail around that. I, I think if I try to kind of take on the persona of average Hawks fan, it's a pretty unsatisfying season so far. I mean, I think the biggest part of that for me in my, in my observation is uh, even the worst teams in the league, every game is coming down to the last few minutes. Like they're not, they're not teams that they should kind of the teams that they're broadly considered to be a lot better um, the, the better team on the floor that night. It's it's a close game the whole way, and that even if they win a close game against the Spurs, a close game against you know whoever, right? That forty eight minute effort shows up in the next game, 
you know, and I think that that's what has maybe eroded them of a, a few wins. Maybe they could have gotten otherwise. So, so I think it's I think it's kind of unsatisfying. Although it's encouraging to see Trey back on track, shooting floaters going. Uh, three point game is there. DJ's been re- really good in that way, but they have some serious issues on defense right now. But uh, I don't I don't think there's any easy and obvious answers. And like I said, I know we'll, I don't we'll get into that. Yeah, of course, when you and I talk, we're going to lean into defense in some respects because it's something we both value probably more than the most, most more than most do. But even now, I mean, even the even the fans who don't particularly care about defense a lot, it's it's pretty obvious this team is not playing well defensively on the whole. The numbers are what they are, and uh, it's been pretty rough at times. Um, I do want to kind of start with life without Jalen Johnson because it is, it is fresh. Um, he's not played you know, the last four games, basically. Um and, you know, they've been very poor defensively. You know, that's not all because of Jalen. They weren't playing great defense with Jalen. Let's just say that out loud. They were already having some defensive issues without Jalen. I'm sorry, with Jalen. But him being out definitely is magnified. He was doing a lot for them defensively as far as his length and rebounding and just his you know his playmaking, all that stuff. It, it is a, Especially when you factor in who's replacing him, which I'm sure is part of this discussion, too, as far as the minutes are concerned. Um, rebounding has been really bad since he went out, for instance. Um it's going to be a little while longer. We don't know exactly how longer, how much longer I should say, but he's not coming back this week, let's just say. So, like, it's going to be a little bit of time. What have you kind of noticed um, that's maybe surprised you about, you know, how the Hawks have dealt with it? Because we kind of know broadly what they were going to be dealing with, but now we have a sample size of them dealing with it for a little while. And also, what can they kind of clean up around that? Because, again, the reality is he's not going to come back on Wednesday. He's, it's going to be a little while longer, so they have to just play. It's the NBA. It's the kind of next man up thing. And, you know, half the roster's not out. Like, Jalen's the only rotation guy that's out right now. It shouldn't be necessarily, you know, life or death, but they're not playing well without him, especially on defense. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting uh, because I would say that what they're doing on defense right now without Jalen is unworkable to me. I, I don't see, like... Do this a little better. Do this a little better. I mean, they're they're like they throw out a couple options. Thing they could do is, right? They're still largely showing the big at the level, the screen, right? That's a show, and the objective of a show is to stop the ball handler and let the primary defender get back into a point of defensive leverage. They could outright blitz, and which is a more aggressive way to use the big, and see if that gives them more opportunity to hold up behind the play. That's they've done that actually the last three or four games in some spots. It's kind of ATO beater scheme, some you know end of game special situation kind of things like that uh, and stuff. But th- so there are some kind of smaller tweaks that they could try along those lines to try to kind of give themselves a better chance to hold it behind the play. But right now, I mean, I mean Bay Bay trying to get Bay workable on defense, right? is a narrow template is the wording that I would choose and mm-hmm. that he's better when you're switching because he can be physical at the point of the switch. He's good proactive before the ball screen when there's switching, but you put him in space and he just does not have, Mm-mm. you know, the thing that you need to kind of manage in, in space. Um, and so he's starting, uh, he's been starting since Jalen's been out. Right. Um, and so I, I, you know, and they've done, they do when a clock was on the floor, they'll go to one, three, five switching at times. And so I'm interested, like, well, Clint starts and Quinn has not wanted to do one, three, five switching with Clint on the floor at all this season. Right. And so is there some sort of kind of rotation shift that gets them, uh, you know, lineups in the floor while Bay is on that lets them switch more. And so I mean, those are some like moderate 
Lee's, you know, likely <laughs> successful kind of changes. But I mean, just playing this normal uh, scheme with the big up at the level and Bay plus whoever else kind of behind the play is is not working. The the more advanced offensive teams are putting a guy in the ducker spot on both baselines. We've seen like where they're just like, yeah. I mean, you probably can't cover one, but you can't for sure can't cover two <laughs> two guys yeah. down the baseline. So they're, they're, that, I know that I threw a lot out there and stuff like that, but I just I think this stuff that they're doing right now with this starting group as it is now is not workable. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NBA and NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet right now. That's $150 in your pocket if your team wins. Beyond the awesome perks of signing up with FanDuel, they have everything looking for across the sports betting space. They have point spreads, they have over-unders, money lines and player props, future bets. They have live in-game betting as well as same-game parlays and much more. And the FanDuel app is safe and it's secure. They cover the entire range of sports and the user inter- interface and experience is fantastic. They have NFL, they have college football, they have the NBA, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA, and many more, and all kinds of options of the Hawks as well. Pre-game lines, in-game lines, um, future bets with regard to the Hawks, both on the player side and on the team side. And now is the best possible time to sign up with folks at FanDuel. This is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. Check out the official sport partner of the Locked On Podcast Network with an offer that you will absolutely not want to miss. One more time, that is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I want to build on that and just, you know, I try to be balanced on not piling on Sadiq's defense, but I was also sounding the alarm pretty early on this and it, it's been rough and it's not only him. I will be, you know, I, you're not saying that either. I, I'm, I'm sure about that. Um, but it is, it, I think in the starting lineup in particular, he has been probably the biggest problem, which is funny on a team that has Trey on it. But uh, I think that, I mean, the advanced numbers tell the same story. I know it's a small sample size, relatively speaking, with, when it comes to advanced numbers. But his his EPM on defense is like, you know, in the basement of the league. It's it's been it's that bad, and you know, the eye test kind of backs that up. So you know, scheme wise, it, it's tough because look, I mean, I can already hear the question. Who do you start if you don't start Sadiq right now? And and the answer is that's a good question. I mean, they, they don't have a great option. Right. You, you could you could go to Bogey, who's a better player in my mind than Sadiq is, but then you're you're even smaller. Uh, you're even you can I'm not sure you're even more offensive focused because Sadiq's defense is another thing, but you are smaller and you're already having rebounding issues. Um, Wes Matthews is the other guy who's been kind of playing the backup three and a half minutes. You know what I mean? But he's not in line for a starting level workload. So if you do that, you're kind of restricting what you're going to do minutes wise other places you kind of have to have Wes on that on the old on the old Keith Bogans plan where he's playing the first five minutes of both halves and he's kind of just going to sit the rest of the half that's tough to work around so and you know we want we don't do it now but I keep getting questions and I, I actually answered one recently about like why can't the Hawks just, get, just go sign somebody or go trade for somebody right now and you know they can't sign anyone because they have a full roster that's the simple version of that and also guys that are un, guys that are unemployed right now you don't want. I mean, you can't play those guys. And yeah, they, they could maybe call up Seth Lundy, but Seth Lundy's a rookie and he's a wing. He's not going to solve your defensive issues. So in the short term, it's like you said, it's this narrow pathway they have to kind of figure out. I do think it's a good point that you made about Bay's switching. Because I, I agree wholeheartedly that that is probably his best coverage. It's also Clint's worst coverage, you could maybe argue, and also Trey's maybe worst coverage. Trey's not a great switch switch option either. So, um, it's it, it is a very I'm not trying to be doomsday, but it is a narrow path, and I, I do wonder maybe, maybe you do the um, the early sub for Sadiq, kind of get it, get, kind of connecting him more with Onyeka, 
Um, that's one way to get around it. Um, but they're already they're already playing Hunter at the four as much as they probably can with this current roster availability. So it's just kind of figuring out how you can get Sadiq, and not just okay, it's not just Sadiq, but that's problem number one in some respects. So and obviously he gets a lot more attention because Jalen that's that's Jalen's position. So he's always going to be under the under the microscope, even from a casual perspective. And I threw this out there. I don't want to get sidetracked too much on the offense, but they also need Sadiq to shoot. Like Sadiq's having these super low usage. It's like Sadiq, you got to shoot, man. If you're out there, like that's why you're out there. You got to shoot the ball. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, there, there's all kinds of issues, but I think that is maybe a good place to start that we kind of dig into because of the fact that you know Jalen's not there and those minutes have to be filled, and they just don't have a lot of size in general, which is. I, I know a topic. I'm sure you heard this too, but I keep getting responses from it's a, a certain segment of Hawks fan that's just like can't see beyond the height listing. You know what I mean? It's like right. they have to have more side, more side, more side. And I get it. They are very small right now. I'm not saying otherwise. They, without Jalen, they are small. They are. But um, it isn't just a size thing. It's like a it's a versatility. It's a physicality. And Sadiq is physical. Like he's a beefy, strong guy. It's just you have to f- have, figure out the best way to use him to maximize that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I mean, you meant to like start bogey. Bogey's a I don't know five percent better than than the bay, but behind the defense. Yeah, I mean, the, even then, like if you're doing that, you're almost going more offense because Bogey's a right. better offensive player than Bay is. But yeah. like, you know, yeah. But so yeah, there, there, there's a few. I mean, and so I, and I mean, might as well throw it out there because some Hawks fans will say, "Well, while Bay is starting, just start on Yaka, right?" And that's not a dumb question. That's not a dumb idea. Honestly, I, I would have probably started on Yeka last night against yeah. Milwaukee. And I, I said that ahead of time. And yeah, at, at, in that okay. match. Yeah, not sorry, yeah, okay. with Clint, with Clint. Okay. But no, you're right. Uh, that's a very natural thing that I wasn't even thinking about because of where my head is. Right. I'm sure that's a question that, and look, I get this every single day at this point about the Clint. It's never going to stop until Clint's off the roster. It's just going to be every right. day of my life, it's going to be Clint on Yaka. But it's, it's a good point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, co- I mean, NBA coaches, I believe, at the end of the day, they want to start with. Solid interior defense and rebounding, and you know, kind of Clint gives you that baseline. Yep. Um, but but if you're like, I mean, Hawks fans would say, if we're bottom three or whatever in the league on defense, why not take a bigger swing and kind of kind of mix things up? It might be a game by game, matchup by matchup, because switching one through five against every team is not the right plan. And do you want to calibrate your defensive plan to Bay's weakness, or do you want to calibrate it to something right. right? That might, I mean, that might be a thing you want to do for a little while. I, you know, I don't know, but. You know, on offense, you know, Bay's kind of willingness to shoot the ball. Bogey will shoot with like five hands right in his face. He does not oh, yeah. care, and he'll and he'll he seems unfazed by by that. 100%. I think what I see Bay going through offensively is what Quinn wants is you get the ball. You're playing on the catch. We've used that phrase a lot. Quinn, we've heard Quinn use that phrase, right? Mm-hmm. If if the other big is out of the paint, say, and Yucca has kind of drawn you know, the other big out of the paint and you got a guy closing out on you. He wants a guy like Bay attacking the paint. Yep. Right. Number one, Bay is good at it. Mm-hmm. Right. He's really physical getting to the rim. And number two, it gives you that drive and kick for even, even better three, a wide open three for someone else. If that happens. And I think Bay is still kind of acclimating to when do I just put the shot up bogey style? Right. Cause he's <laughs> one of the best, I don't know, 20, 25 shooters in the league, whatever number you want to pick. Right. Um, or, and when do I use my, physicality kind of get to the rim and punish the other team for having uh, not having a, a big down there to kind of protect the rim. And I, and I just think he's still acclimating to kind of a new set of kind of responsibilities around that at, especially when he's playing the four, right? Cause that's, that's when he's, when he's being defended by a four, 
that's when he can really attack. Playing at the three, I think the instinct is more just just shoot it, just put up the jump shot, right? Because yeah. I think he's going to have a little bit, little less likelihood kind of dribbling around a, a three, so to speak. But and there's a lot of recalibration, and and I I know that some Hawks fans will be like, one guy got hurt. What? But it, it, I mean, you're talking about the ultimate glue guy for this whole team. He can dribble. He can pass. He can rebound. He can push in transition. He can finish in transition. He can. He's a, he's turned into a good help defender. He's got size, you know, and and so a guy who contributes in every area and every category is a big loss. And yep. I mean, and so I know we might talk later on about what kind of roster moves might be realistic at that point in time. You almost kind of hate to start the conversation because it go, <laughs> it goes to, to an extreme on Twitter. Right. Um, but but to me, it's like, you know, I, I wonder is Quinn like, well, we maybe we're going to play Clint three minutes to start the game and they get in Yekka on and they go through one through five. Sw- I, I wonder I wonder how aggressively he's contemplating being trying to find some sort of defensive baseline that's going to work with Baby in the starting lineup for now. Today's show is brought to you by GameTime, and you should never have to worry about buying tickets to a big event. And with GameTime, you absolutely never have to worry because GameTime has lots of deals and tickets for football or basketball or baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and much more. And it's incredibly easy to navigate all of the interfaces there to find and buy tickets to any event in your area. They have zone deals as well for an average of 18% savings. And at game time, you can see all of the views for all the seats in the venue that you're looking for. It helps you know exactly what to expect when you arrive at that venue. They have all-in pricing as well at game time, so you know your total upfront without any of the hidden fees that some other places happen to have. And there's peace of mind with game time. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best possible price. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets right now by using game time. You Download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase with Game Time. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use promo code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's a good point for sure, and I we could again, you and I could probably talk about this topic for an hour. Like it's, we're not going to do that, but there's a lot of nuance involved here. But the, the point about Jalen is is a good one because. He's the only guy on the roster that is anything like himself, if that makes sense. Like, I, there's this weird side discussion about like who's the best player on the team right now, which I, I'm, I find still very funny. I think Trey is very obviously the answer to that question. But you know, one might argue, and I've seen this argument before, that you know when Trey is out in a short sample, Dejounte can do a Trey impression. They're different players, but like Dejounte. Can carry can carry usage. He can score. He can get the ball in his hands. Whatever. Put that to the side. When Jalen is out, there is no one that can do what Jalen does. As far as the two way the two way on offense, no one at his size on this roster can make the passes he makes. Can push the ball transition that he makes. Even the rim attacks, like he can't. You know all that stuff. And then defensively, the centers are good defenders, both of them in different ways. And, and DeAndre is a good defender too. I know you are a proponent of this, and so am I. DeAndre Hunter is a valuable defensive player as a as a as a sort of nuanced defender. But Jalen is the is the help guy. Jalen's a great defensive rebounder for a power forward. They just don't have anybody that can do what he does, and that leaves them in a bad spot because you're already at, you know I would argue the power forward spot in general. They already were kind of an injury away from being really thin there, no matter who it was. Even if it was Sadiq, they would be kind of thin there. It'd be it'd be easier to deal with. 
um, all respect to Sadiq, but like they don't have depth there. Like their backup, their their third or fourth power forward is coming into the year was a second round rookie in Mo, in Mo Gay who's hurt right now. Like they don't want to play Mo Gay right now. Wes Matthews is six five. He's been playing power forward minutes and he can do it. But it's not what you want to do. Nobody wants them. Nobody wanted to have that happen. So um, he is very much <laughs> kind of an indispensable piece. And look, I have all these numbers. I won't throw them all out there, but everybody knows the deal. The Hawks defensively are just not very good. They're 26 in defensive rating right now. Like they're they're dead last in the league in two point shooting allowed. That's not good, man. Like 28th in assists allowed. They're bottom five in rim attempts allowed. Like and a lot of that. It's this interesting conversation that we always have. And I wonder what you think about recently, even. What's more, um, what is more problematic defensively as far as like perimeter versus big and point of attack and all that stuff about like why they're so bad on two point defense and through that lens, just giving up shots at the rim. They're actually not bad at defending shots when they get there at the rim. They're, they're decent in that number, actually. Opponents don't make all their shots at the rim. They get to the rim repeatedly against the Hawks. Yep. For me, that that's a perimeter issue more than it's. I I feel like there's always this this disconnect when I share a number about rim or two point, and everyone always jumps to oh, it's the center's fault, and it's like well, no, it's it's actually every, kind of everybody but the center's fault <laughs> in a lot of ways, and and that's whether it's Clint or, or Indeka, it's not it's not a it's not it's not a center discussion. It's like for me, that's what I see, but I wonder if you see the same thing because the, for me, that, that's statistically that's actually their worst area right now is allowing people to get to the rim and finish inside the arc. And that's not what you would maybe have flagged coming into the year as like their number one problem area. Yeah, I mean, a, a part of it is they're getting their big out on the perimeter to help with the a level of the screen because the point of attack defense that is, is it. That's yep. right. When Jay, and Jalen is learning how to be a stronger helper at the rim, right? I, I mean, we know he has the raw skills for that for sure. Um, but I mean, no one else can can do that. I mean, Hunter Hunter is has good timing and it, he hunter get there early as opposed to have to try to kind of clean up the play like in real time or you know or whatever but i mean reality is if you want to say how many centers in the league can just outright consistently clean up a play at the rim like just i mean absolutely not in the play not many rudy i would put jaron jackson jr in that in there uh mitchell robinson is in there it's not a long um, list. I mean, there might be five or six. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, and, and maybe they, you could argue that Clint was that guy three years ago. Maybe. And, and he's and he's top twelve. Sure, he, at that he's right still now. good at it now. Right, but right. there is an and, and obviously we're not going to go on the road of Clint defense because that's what we always do. But yeah. Clint is not the same guy he was three years ago. That, that's that's objectively true. No doubt, physically. Yeah. So that's no doubt. Yeah. So so but that's the thing is that like if if you're thinking oh we need to go find a guy who can just kind of clean up at the rim, good luck. Like, yeah. you know, you know, call a team that has, you know, whoever and be like, okay, we want, you know, three draft picks and two young players and more. And you, you got to take a bad cop, you know, the, the, the whole kind of the whole thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, so, it, it, yeah. It, Quinn had this, but Quinn, Quinn had Rudy, of course. So all the tape that we watched before he came to Atlanta was him coaching Rudy. And they still weren't playing this same way. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, I don't know. It's, uh, it's it's maddening to me, but I do think it's a good. I'm glad you led with that because I should have set, teed it up better. Perhaps we should have seen it coming more when the Hawks were going to play this way that that was going to be their primary issue. And I think Quinn obviously knows. I mean, 
you're never going to get a full-on straight answer from Quinn about this stuff. People have tried. I know Kevin, our mutual friend, has probably the best record of asking basketball questions to Quinn on a regular yeah. basis. And Quinn doesn't like to give a lot of detail on this stuff, which I understand. But yeah. um, as, soon as, as soon as they made the, the conscious choice to especially have Clint play up at the level, it was going to open that up for everybody. It just was. It's just right. how it's going to happen. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a point of attack, right? And even like... You know, when we talk about this difficulty behind the play when three are up and two are back, right? West Matt, that's not where you want Wes Matthews. Like, no. you know, he's, he's even better than Bay, but you want him helping at the point of attack of what minutes you have him, right? Because he's so crafty and experienced, such a great screen navigator and such good with so good with ball pressure and all that sort of stuff. So that's not even the solution that you're kind of thinking of there. So for me, it's point of attack is issue. It's just ball containment is a challenge. That's a lot of that is about size. It's about that's about size more than athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's about reps. Also, for guys who are gonna are gonna have the opportunity to do it, we've already seen like Dejounte has raised his game on defense. You know, st- getting his stance and pressuring the ball and all that sort of stuff. You and I, I'm telling you, if he plays 33 or four minutes a game or whatever the whole season, he's gonna be banged up. It's already like, happening put, now. I mean, yeah, exactly. the last, the last, hand, the last handful of games, he's not been the same guy defensively as he was in the early games. That season. defensive workload is going to catch up with him. That's why yeah. a lot of teams want three or four different forward-sized guys that are role players that can you can throw them out there and they save the guards from all of that defensive workload, right? And and so across 82 games, asking DeJounte to be the primary guard defender, to me, that's also not workable. Right, and mm-hmm. so I think I think I think if Quinn were really honest and Landry were really honest, they would say we're still mid-process with this roster, right? Like we're we're deploying our template and we're still kind of chasing the roster fit that we know we're going to need to do that. And if you stay top three in offense the whole season long, then you maybe have a shot at getting to this you know six seed or you know some you know maybe even if you play really high level offense consistently and can find some solutions some point solutions matchup by matchup game by game on defense maybe you can get to you know 45 46 wins and maybe get you know something like that they're not they're not in a place right now where that's where they're heading that's not where they are that's not where this team is right now right even though i still expect i trust <laughs> the coaching staff and, and everything but that's not they're they're not on track for that right now for no. sure and, and it's about size. It's about guys who have the primary job of playing defense at the point of attack. They don't have that. They're lacking that, right? Even Jalen, like a lot of Hawks fans, well, Jalen, his screen navigation is still really bad. Yeah. Now, he, he needs reps. You just give him the reps and live with the, the results of the while he's building up his kind of kind of rep volume and stuff like that. So what this roster is lacking their center, their, their defensive play at center, good enough, right? Yep. Their defensive play at the point of attack, bottom five in the league, right? <laughs> and the thing that is missing are guys whose primary job is to defend at the point of attack, so it doesn't have to be DJ all the time. And so Dre's not hurt all the time because he has to do it 37 minutes a game and, again, and the toughest, you know, that that's what they're missing. And I think they know that. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an area where like I, I I strive to present nuance on this podcast. We've done that already on this show, I think. But at the end of the day, this is it's kind of simple, and that the Hawks' personnel defensively is just not good enough. Yep. You know, and that's a very simple sentence that I just. But it, it it is it is true, and there's stuff beyond that. Like we, we're we're already digging in deeper. But if you just said, okay, here is especially right now without Jalen, it's even more so. But 
let's just factor Jalen in. Jalen's not a, a at, at this moment in time in 2023, is not a catch-all savior defensively. He's not, like, this is not a guy who's going to transform your defense right now today. It's just, he's, he makes them better, no question about that. But they just don't have good enough defensive personnel. And you can go up and down the roster, how many guys, again, this is very simple and probably too reductive too, but how many guys on this team that play every night in the top eight or nine are even average defensive players at their position? Right. How many are there? Are, are there four? It might be four. I would say the centers, you could say Jalen and DeAndre. Yeah. That's that's the list. And yeah, Trey's been better this year. No question. Trey's still below average. I mean, we, we have to be honest about that. DeJounte, right. DeJounte is not, was supposed to be, but has not been even average, I don't think. He, he's been average in, what, a third of the games? At times, so, yeah. No, like, right? that's, it's 100%, 100% of agree. And look, yeah. Bo- Bogey, is, Bogey is what he is. Bay is what he is. The depth guys, I mean... We'll, we'll probably talk about AJ for a second in a, uh, later on in this discussion, but AJ is not a good defender right now. Obviously, Garrison Matthews will try, but small role, limited athletically, yeah. all that stuff. Wes Matthews, you would say, is average at least, but he's going to sure. play twelve minutes a game. So, right. again, that, that, yeah. that's a very—it's a very simple thing to do, but it, it's probably a useful exercise just to be like, "Hey guys, how many guys? These, how, many, yeah. how many? How many of these guys are pretty? Are even pretty good defensor, defensive players?" And when two of them are at the same position, and They've been playing them together a little bit. I actually want to ask you about that right now. Let's do that right now. What did you yeah. make of the small stints we saw with Onyeka and Clint? Uh, it's happened now two games in a row, but the Saturday's game against Milwaukee was the most they've ever done it by far. It was three different stints. Yeah. Granted, some of that was the matchup. You're playing against Milwaukee. It's easier to do that. But is that like a situation where they can maybe do that a little bit more in a vacuum? Or is that matchup-based? I, I think they can. I, I, I think what you're trying, the calculation you're trying to work through if you're thinking about doing that more is we're leaning on our offense right now should we sacrifice some of that for how much defensive value do we project to get with that move right and so I, I, it's, it's always kind of a calculation and those sorts of things but i i think being abysmal on defense is demoralizing and so from a spirit <laughs> and confidence standpoint i think yep. they should lean into that like when the matchup allows i think they should lean into that more um, I think it helps their rebounding. And Anyeka is becoming more and more versatile offensively, and that helps. Even if it's just parking him in the corner while Trey and Clint run high pick and roll or whatever, right? Which they did and so those last are, night. That happened a little bit. You had you kind of had him uh, – I hesitate to make this comparison. They, they kind of had him in the John Collins role of the right. – uh, yeah. The, it's not his best role in offense. We, everybody knows it, but he kind of just has to be there right now. Yeah. And just to get, just to back you up, it's these the sample size is so small that I almost I almost don't even care. But the numbers tell you so far, and it's fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Of the, that's it. That's a very tight. Barely they've a been, quarter. They've been they, but they have in those minutes. The eye test backs it up. They've been above average defensively, like yeah. above the league average. They've been they've actually like been pretty good defensively in those minutes, but they've been awful offensively, which. Honestly, makes sense. But to your point, even mentally, like there is a point in a season or in a stretch of seasons or multiple seasons or whatever, where like if you just know you can't stop anybody, it, it can be a little bit um, frazzling even to your offense. I, I think that might have happened a totally. little bit because like, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's not as simple as offense. Te- offensive team is what the Hawks are. And that's true. But there is a point where like if you're so bad defensively for long enough, habits can be bad, all that stuff. So. Uh, I, I do think that it'd be tough in certain matchups, and I think that's why we haven't seen more of it. But especially without Jalen, like maybe you just want to have more defensive talent on the court. And Onyeka's 
versatility and athleticism and range kind of allows allows for it in a way that they probably couldn't have got away with it a year ago. Onyeka yeah. can take a can take a quarter three. That, that's a very simple thing, but it, it does matter. Yeah, yeah, and and he, he's even confident, you know, above the right right there above the break. Too. Oh yeah, but but the, but I still say the matchup the Hawks struggle the most with. There's another team throws four guards or four quasi guards or some combination and a reasonably skilled big. And why is that? Because you got to cover four guys who can put the ball the floor. We've already established the Hawks don't have enough guys whose primary <laughs> job it is to defend those guys with the ball, right? They, they, and they so do. I still think that's the I still think that's their biggest issue, right? From a matchup perspective, they just they yep. don't have enough of that, right? And but I think when teams like want to play, you know. Portis plus Giannis or Brooke or whoever, right? Even like against New Orleans, if, you know, and Willie Green has been great about pulling Jonas off the floor and kind of playing Zion at five when that's the right kind of way to go. And so I think, you know, I don't think you can just assume that the other coach is going to like do the Hawks a favor and play two quasi-traditional bigs out there. But the Bucks have to do that. The Knicks kind of have to do that right yeah and you can kind of go on and on there's other you know examples uh, around the league where that's the case you know and then you the next thing you know you're playing the heat on a tuesday night and they're playing jimmy and three guards and bam right and you're like <laughs> and the hawks got kind of nothing for that right yeah um and so you, you need a roster that can swing in both directions you have to to, to win say you know 50 plus games these days, you have to have a, a roster that your where your rotation can swing bigger, your rotation can swing smaller, and the Hawks don't have that kind of rotation versatility yet. I love that they took this last draft like really seriously. I think Lundy was, you know, we we have to revisit all that, but I think Gay was a great get where he was, and Lundy was a great and and so part of this is do we stay committed to the development of these guys who do project to play well in this system that Quinn wants to run? But that's a year, a year and a half, whatever away, right? Yep. And so are the Hawks going to accept being a play-in team like with this current rotation and kind of roster makeup with these obvious gaps defensively and say, okay, this is going to serve us better in a two-year timeline than not, or might there be a, a move um, that they can make, get find a one more defender that they can get, uh, you know, affordably in, in near the deadline or between now and the deadline, whatever. That's an organizational decision that they have to kind of work through. That not necessarily an, an easy answer. All right, that's all for part one of two with my friend Glenn Willis. And as a reminder, part two should be available in your podcast feed of choice right now. So stay tuned for that. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, etc. Follow the show on Twitter at Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. My written work about the Hawks is at patreon.com slash BT Roland. And with all that said, we'll see you all next time.